Blog Talk Hello. Radio. Hello, this is Trina Ramsey, and I am so excited to welcome you to the very first show of a very special group of ladies, the Revolutionary Sisters of the Diaspora. We are a group of black and brown women who, who are coming together and will be bringing you programming once a month on social justice issues, race, gender, equality, and this is all part of the brand new Power Network, which is launching tomorrow, actually. We're doing a soft launch today. And today, this show is all about our fabulous first lady, Michelle Obama. Masterfully, Michelle, Reflections on Eight Years of Our Floaters. And we just really wanted, I see we already have some callers here. Fantastic. Um, we're going to get through the introductions, and um, then we will, um, if you are interested in making a comment, please press 1 on your phone, and then we will know to put you on air. Otherwise, we'll assume that you are listening. But anyway, we're so excited, um, and also it's a bittersweet moment for our country. Today is the Obama's last day in office, and here on the show tonight we have two beautiful women, and we're going to have a great discussion about all things Michelle Obama, and we invite you to join the conversation. If you are interested in calling and speaking, feel free to call us at 619-924-0980, and if you want to speak, then push one on your phone, and we'll know that you want to be put on the air. So I am going to turn the mic over to our moderator for the evening, Ange, who works at at a social justice nonprofit and actually is a comrade in arms at a very special organization that I'm a part of. So Ange, over to you. Thank you so much, Trina. And yes, this is a bittersweet moment for us. It's bittersweet because this is the uh, Obama's last day in the White House uh, as President and First Lady. And it's sweet for us because it's our first show. And we were so excited to make our first show really uh, reflections on the First Lady and what we think about her, what we thought about her coming in, and now as she is ending her tenure as First Lady, we just wanted to honor her. So very, very pleased to be able to do that uh, tonight. We are part of the Power Network, but this uh, brainchild came about because Trina came to me because we belong to a group called Solace for Sisters that I founded uh, 10 years ago now. Uh, it'll be 10 years, I think, mm-hmm. next month. And I, uh, she came to me and said, you know, we have this opportunity to do a radio show, and do you think Solace would be interested? And I said, yeah, I think we'd be interested. It's been 10 years, and this is something that I think will catapult us into the next 10 years. So here we are, Solace Sisters, and uh, we are a social group. We aren't really that formal. We meet once a month, maybe sometimes every other month, to just uh, go to the movies or a museum or have dinner or celebrate a birthday or a milestone in someone's life. And we're based here in Washington, D.C. primarily, but we do have some members that have moved away, so they're also part of our network. And we uh, have basically two rules. We don't talk about work, and we do not demean black men. The first rule has gone out the window several times because we always talk about work. (laughs) But the second one, I can honestly say we have held fast to. So we do not demean uh, men and black men in particular. We do not demean. So with that, I want to get us started. We are, uh, of course, we have Trina here and we also have Q who will be uh, answering some questions that I will pose to them about their thoughts about the First Lady. So I'm going to just kind of open it up and one of the themes that we wanted to try to talk about were the attacks that the Obamas faced prior to and coming into the office, particularly when we talk about 
President Obama's legitimacy and the birth of movement. And what I'd like you both to do is just talk a little bit about what you feel Michelle had to do as a black woman in America when there were people coming at her husband in particular about his birthplace and then also reflect a little bit on her as a black woman and you know as a as a woman of color I got some curves I didn't get them to right after <laughs> college but I have some curves and my curves are different than some of my contemporaries. And so she had to face a barrage of attacks on her body image, her body type. And I just want you guys to just talk a little bit about those two things because we want to get the ugly stuff out the way and then talk about the fun stuff about Michelle Obama. So why don't we start with you? Why don't we start with you, Trina, just some of your reflections. Okay. That's that's awesome. And by the way, Angeline, we do have a caller, so you mind if we we um, go to the caller first and then come back oh, to the question? Sure, sure, sure. Please. Okay. So um, we have someone two hundred two area code six, starting with six two one. I'm putting your mic on now. Please tell us your name and where you're calling from. Uh, yes. Good evening. Uh, this is Char. Um, I'm calling from Washington D.C. And just want to congratulate you all on this terrific uh, uh, show. I can tell already it's the hit. Um, uh, really, your first show being in honor Michelle Obama. I mean, what an inspiration around the world. Yes. Um, so I'm gonna uh, carry on, and I'll be listening. Thank you so okay, much for sure. calling in. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Char. We really appreciate you. And, uh, yes, she is just an amazing inspiration. Okay, so back to the question. Um, For me, um, I I remember election night. I was actually out of town on business when he was first elected the first time. And I was was in New York, um, not too far from Times Square. I didn't go out um, to celebrate. I was just in my hotel room crying. I was crying because I was both happy, but I was also like, oh my goodness, this man is going to face such opposition. And right out the bat, I mean, like the day after the election is when they started talking about not performing, not, you know, shutting down the shutting down the government. As, as we talked, there was the whole, and actually someone who I ref- whose name I refuse to say right now started all of the birther rumors during the campaign season. Um, I have been just completely in awe of how both Barack and Michelle have handled the barrage of insults that have come their way. Um, just just nasty racist comments comments about how they look, some of the caricatures that were drawn, you know, comparing, you know, um, our president of the United States to like a monkey and some of the things that they said and, and some of the characters they put, caricature, caricatures they put up upon Michelle. But every single time, and that it wasn't until this election, eight years later, that Michelle coined the phrase, when they go low, we go high. And that has been their way of being the entire eight years. And it really has inspired so many people to actually be able to persevere through such a trying time and perform, not just persevere, but actually perform and do great things for the country, both he and her. So that's all Mm -hmm. I have for now. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Trina. Q, would you like to address either of these issues? Yeah, no, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on the call to radio with you. I've I've spent some time pondering how it is, in particular, Michelle has been able to 
maintain her grace and dignity as all kinds of vitriol has been hurled at her. And when I thought about what she did, the genius, the beauty of what she did was she took the common tropes that are put on black women and she flipped them around. You know, when mm-hmm. they tried to create, when they tried to turn her into a Jezebel because she showed her bare arms, she started a fitness campaign. Yes. When when they tried to turn her into a sapphire and say that she was angry because of the terrorist fist bump or because she said she was truly proud of this country for the first time when Barack was going through and receiving the nomination, she ended it by saying, when we go low, you go high. When they go low, we go high, which was, right. as mentioned earlier, the embodiment of her entire time in the White House. And then... Even when they tried to turn her into a mammy, when they tried to turn her into an asexual being by comparing her to primates, she turned fashion into a political statement. I mean, for me, the, the, the beauty, the dignity, the grace of her is that despite everything that was thrown at her, she decided that her most important role was as mom in chief. And to me as a black woman, elevating her most important role as being the mother of a black a black woman raising two black girls in America in the White House and doing it with grace and dignity despite what has been hurled at them. To me, that is just the epitome of what it is we would all hope to achieve. I mean, that's what gives me life, knowing that a woman who kind of like you know, so many of us comes from a working class background, can rise to the highest ranks in government. And despite everything thrown at her, in the end, she wants us to be proud of her. And mm-hmm. it's just beautiful. Just beautiful. No, I agree. I, I absolutely agree with that. And uh, Trina and Q, I just think that, you know, to piggyback on what you guys have said, she to me and and I'm going to be honest about this I think I really for many years took Michelle Obama for granted I think that her mm. being in the White House was something that was tremendous but I almost think initially it was more tremendous to have a black president because uh. of the fact that for me there haven't been that many role model first ladies I've looked up to and so she was on the periphery and I think that in the first probably one maybe one and a half two years she was kind of like not really out there as much and I think it really like you saw his transformation being in office after the four years and him just developing this kind of cockiness that she was able to also she developed that I think as well and I think that looking back, gosh, there's so many things that she did. I there I was like looking for just videos and quotes and things to kind of prepare for this and there's just so much stuff that she's done that I haven't even seen. And mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people haven't seen. You know, some of the stuff if we're on some of the social media sites, of course, you know, people are posting a lot of different things. So some of the more popular things we've probably seen. But I think that there's so much we haven't because I haven't I hadn't seen a lot of uh, her talk about working with military families. But I know that she did it. I know there's video out there. I know that she's made speeches, and I know that she's done a lot behind the scenes. But not being in that environment, it's kind of hard to know exactly what she's done. Uh, but I think that for me, her leaving now is like it's really tearing me apart. And I think that. There was an article, actually, that BBC News did, and they had two people kind of comment on the presidency and this, the first lady specifically. And the article was entitled, What Will Michelle Obama's Legacy Be? And Alice, mm. Alicia Garza, who was, who is the co-founder of Black Lives Matter, stated in this article, quote, Her legacy for black women is that we can unapologetically be black even in the White House. And I think that's Mm. very telling for how Michelle Obama came into the White House 
and made it her own, but also opened it up to so many people. I've spoken to so many people that said it just was like, it was open. It was, it was the country's house, and she made it that way. And she made it, you know, they brought in culture, and they brought in dance and music and, and just fun things for kids to do. I, I have so many friends who, whose kids went to the White House. It's absolutely amazing. So I, I thank you guys for, for your comments because I, I agree with all of them wholeheartedly. So let's move into some fun stuff because I think she was also, she is also a lot of fun. And uh, this segment is Brains, Fashion, Flair, and Hair. And as a woman of color, we know we always have to deal with the hair situation. And she got up there, she was working out, and she, you know, made sure her hair was always, her hair always looked impeccable. Now, granted, she had a staff who was helping her with her clothing selection and, you know, what color she was going to wear, what style of dress she was going to wear for any particular event. And you know she had someone helping her do her hair and makeup. And that is my dream in life is to have someone do my hair and makeup every morning. But since I'm not quite there yet, I just want you guys to just reflect a little bit about on on her fashion, her sense of style, any particular dress you like, any particular hairstyle you like, and uh we'll go from there. So why don't we start with uh why don't we start with Q this time? Okay, great. Thank you so much. In in terms of thinking about her style, um which is everything my favorite look was the sun yellow dress that she wore to the last state of the union. Um, mm. I think that in so many ways she embodied the divine. That dress, mm. um, it became a political statement. And they shared that with us after the fact that it was supposed to be about hope. It was supposed to be about the future. It was supposed to be forward-looking which is why it was that bright yellow. And if you've ever been in the chambers of Congress, there is nothing bright about that space. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Right, it just is not. So many it's ways, conservative. It, it, exactly. It's marble. It's very staid. It tries to keep and it tries to retain the same historical vibe that it had when it was first built. So, that, that that brightness, that sunshine, and in the face of a hostile kind of Congress looking at them and all they've accomplished for the few years, it just, it was to me, um, it was part of, it's, it's part of still what gives me hope looking forward when I just think about having the courage to not wear red but to wear yellow, um, a bright, blazing yellow in the middle of winter, in the middle of D.C., to say, no, this is the state of our union. Our, and the state of our union is strong and bright and something to look forward to. So um, to me, Michelle understood something that I think a lot of us live with but we don't, we're not conscious of, which is to be a black woman in America and to walk the streets is to make a political statement. It doesn't matter whether or not we choose to. Our very being makes a political statement. And instead of shying away or hiding from that, she embraced it and made it her own. And that also gives me courage to say, you know what, I'm going to be like Michelle. I am going to be unbothered. I am going to make a political statement with every movement that I make, and the world is just going to have to live with it. I think it's that fantastic. Is, that's incredible. <laughs> that is incredible, Q, because I – don't remember the dress specifically. I, re- I remember the State of the Union, but it's it's very true what you're saying because D.C. is a very dark kind of place. It's it's conservative, and you see a lot of black and brown. I, that's what I wear. I wear black just about every day, <laughs> and black and brown and navy. And very rarely will I put a color on a, a bright yellow or. I will wear purple because that is my favorite, but a bright color like an orange or a yellow, and she just she carried it so well because you know she's stately, she's tall, she's beautiful, she's got those sculpted arms, and uh, she just could pull off wearing all types of colors. I personally, there's a dress that I love, and I haven't been able to find it. And I don't know what she wore it to, but it was a green dress, and it was it was a 
it had to have been a formal event because it was a long dress and it was an emerald green. It was absolutely beautiful and her hair was like kind of curled and I just thought, wow, that is a stunning dress. There haven't been too many dresses that she's worn that I, that I haven't liked, but that dress is absolutely incredible. Uh, and she also wore a fuchsia number once, and I love that. And I said, oh, I could wear that after losing maybe 20 pounds. But she uh, she definitely <laughs> could carry fashion like like no one else. So I, I appreciate that. And I kind of like her hair now. I like that kind of blunt cut. Uh, your hair has to be uh, evenly uh, yoked on all sides to get that cut. But I, I, I kind of like that. I think it's cute. So, Trina, what about you? Oh yeah, so I am. Um, I, I, I'm cheating because I, I pulled up uh, um, like images of all her hair. So I'm, I'm having fun looking at Michelle <laughs> through the years. <laughs> and um, do you remember? I just remember. Remember when she got the bangs? Yes. And how it was like, whoa! The first lady has bangs. This is you know <laughs> newsworthy, but but. Um, it was that huge. That's favorite. all people could talk about. But it was huge. It was huge. But I think I, it just showed that she was, you know, um, cutting edge. And she was, she had become a fashion icon. I remember prior first ladies kind of not really breaking out into that. I mean, I would say probably not since Jackie O, really, mm-hmm. for people to kind of look to the style and look to the you know the the real presence. Um, the other the other thing every once in a while um, she would do the curly do, um, like a like a like a, a roller set. Like a roller set. And she had a yeah, and she had for a those, short bob. For those who are listening that are not women of color who have to do their hair, roller set <laughs> is. <laughs> Your hair is wet, you roll your hair up, and you sit under the dryer for 45 minutes, depending on how long and thick your hair is, to get that curl. Yes. Thank you for, for explaining that. I'm not forgetting that, you know. Uh, but, yeah, um, and I thought it was really, um, you know, light and playful. And But I really, you know, it's hard to find a bad picture of her. She's just very mm-hmm. uh, photogenic. And in terms of the gowns, in terms of her dress, I um, I looked at both of the inauguration gowns. Well, first of all, do you remember that, that chartreuse number she had when she walked the street on Inauguration Day? Yeah, 2009. Yes, that yes. was mm-hmm. like fierce. That was yes. like fierce. That was one of the things where you know it was like, okay, this is not going to be your, your um, <laughs> typical kind of you know, mm-hmm. laid back first lady. Um, right. But then she came out that night with the over the shoulder white number with the feathers. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? And yes. and that yes. one, I was thought it was or was it roses? There was something that made it fluffy looking. I remember seeing yeah. it in the Museum of National History, but there was something that made it kind of more billowy, you know, like yeah, wild like right. or whatever. Um, but then the juxtaposition that I find really interesting is the inauguration 2013. Um, she has this hot red number on. Mm-hmm. And to me, that just kind of signaled kind of that she had found her footing and that she felt comfortable wearing the red on such a such a big day and not so much trying to impress. But she, if she had the bangs there too. Um, <laughs> she had the bangs, but she looks so. I mean, really, she looks good in everything. But I thought that I loved the fact that she w- was bold enough to wear red, and it wasn't like all that formal stuffy, stuffy that some of the you know inaugural night ba- gowns are. And um, so yeah, I just um, just have always been just super impressed and in awe of her in general. Um, yeah, she, she is that. Say, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I just um, want to encourage anyone who's listening, if you do want to, um, you can call in number one by dialing the number 619 924 
888-720-0980. If you'd like to join the conversation, if you have something to say, you want to underscore something that we've already talked about, or just share what you appreciated and your observations of the First Lady. And then also there are a number of people who are on the um, line right now. If you would like to speak, push one on your phone, and we'll be sure to put you on air. Okay, over to you, Anne. Thank you. Thank you so much, Trina. Uh, I, I want to also remind people that they are listening to Revolutionary Sisters of the Diaspora on the Peace, One Love, Win-Win Empower Revolution Network, a new network that will be launching tomorrow officially. We are doing the soft launch tonight, and we are talking about Masterfully Michelle, our first lady, and reflecting on eight years of her in the White House. I also want to remind everyone we will be on air every third Thursday of the month, and our next call will be Thursday, February 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we will be talking about push-outs, addressing school-to-prison pipeline faced by black girls. So we hope you'll join us for that show. And again, if you would like to call in and have anything to say or if you want to just listen in, you can dial 619-924-0980. So uh, let's... Awesome. Take a caller Angela, if there's someone. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, let's take another caller. Awesome. So we have a caller with the 202 area code uh, beginning with 712. I'm putting your mic on. Hi, can you tell us your name and where you're calling from? 712 or 721. 721. Hi, it's Sabrina Wood, and I'm from Bethesda, Maryland. Hi, Hi, Sabrina. Sabrina. How are you? Hi, Sabrina. I'm great. I'm great. This is a great show. The thing I wanted to chime in on, and I I don't know how many people remember this, but when she made the trip over to England to meet Queen Elizabeth, and you know I'm an Anglophile and I love all things British, (laughs) but it was just so (laughs) striking to see this old, antiquated woman who you couldn't even touch and everyone was just like, bumbling around and everything and Michelle was just so vibrant and lively and black and gorgeous and beautiful and it just said everything. It was like old world, new world. <laughs> so that was one of my favorite memories when Michelle touched the queen and everyone went crazy. Everyone oh, lost exactly. their mind. <laughs> oh my like, God. you can't touch the queen. Yes, yeah, she touched her and she wasn't supposed to and everyone just had a heart attack and I just thought it was too funny. Thank you. That that was pretty funny. Thank you so much. Yeah, I thought it was cool that the queen herself did not have that strong of a reaction. No, she was happy to meet Michelle, too. I'm just a person, too. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. She was excited, too. Sabrina, thank you for calling in. Great show, guys. Bye. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. And we have one more caller who is also from the 202 area code. And so 246 is the beginning of your number, and I'm putting your mic on now. And what's your name and where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Joy. I'm calling from Washington, D.C. Hi, Joy. Hi, Joy. (laughs) Hi. Congratulations on your first show, first of all. Thank Um, you. I (laughs) I was curious about your thoughts on a conversation I frequently found myself in. Um, When the Obamas uh, first entered the White House, D.C. was in a big natural hair movement, in the midst of a big natural hair movement. And there have been a lot of people who have said, oh, wouldn't it have been great if uh, the First Lady had rocked a twist out or a natural hairdo? Um, I've had different feelings about that over time. I've always loved her hair. Um, I'm a straight straight dude, but I think it would have been interesting, although very shocking to a lot of people if she had done that. So I'll just uh, about your thoughts. Thank you, Joyce, very much for that for that question. Um, I uh, will open it up to Q and Trina, but let me just quickly respond to your question. Uh, I love her hair, and I have gone through the transition of having very short hair, having long shoulder-length hair, having medium-length hair, having braids, weaves, curls, 
You name it, <laughs> I think I have done it. Um, my husband teases me because I had a jerry curl back in the day. He said, you had a jerry curl? <laughs> yes, I had a jerry well, curl. Didn't. I had my curl <laughs> activator walking around, spraying my hair, craziness. But I, I really think that as black women, women of color, that we should be able to do whatever we want to do with our hair because people who don't look like us get to do whatever they want to do with their hair. They get to braid it. And they get to, you know, have people say, oh, you look like Bo Derek. They get to, or, you know, some more contemporary for those who are uh, who are um, millennials may not know who Bo Derek is. But, you know, for them to say someone contemporary, oh, you, you, you braided your hair like, like Beyonce braided her hair, you know, that kind of thing. And so I, I think that her having her hair in all different styles just showed the versatility that her hair could be. She could cut it. It could be long. Uh, it could be curly. It could be straight. She could have it pulled back where it was, you know, it looked like, okay, she had just worked out or she was out in the sun, uh, in the heat, in Hawaii or, or whatever. And I'm in that, I've transitioned now. It's natural and it is it is a challenge because I have not had to deal with it. So, for me, I think her having her, yes, it would have been a shock to the system. Um, whether or not she wanted to completely shock folks, I don't know. But I think that her being herself and just having her hair the way it, they, the way that it was, it just allowed her to not have to necessarily think about that, to just think about, okay, I'm presenting myself to the world as the first lady and Maybe she thought this was this was more acceptable. Do I want to shock the system with the hair? Maybe, maybe not. Um, so I think it just it wasn't as if she was natural and then she came into the White House and then she got a perm. So to me, she's just always always had you know great hairstyles. So that's what I want to say about it. Uh, Q, why don't I open it up to you? Hi. Uh, yeah, I think that. Um I think that you, you raised some very key points, and one that I often struggle with when talking to a variety of people of all races and ethnicities, which is if you're going to respect black people, if you're going to respect black women as whole, autonomous human beings, then that means that we have the right to do our hair as we please without any commentary other than you look good, girl. And I think that we also have to keep in mind that it was not just Barack Obama who was a master politician. It was also Michelle. And they, they, they understand what it means to live in double consciousness. They understand what it means to have to shift in between worlds. And I think in so many ways, it wasn't even necessarily about shocking the system. I personally think it would have been beautiful if she just let her hair out natural. But her little girls did. Right, right, that's true. So mm -hmm. if we, when we remember that when they were young, they wore their hair natural, and in some ways, to me, that's even more beautiful than her having done it, because she understood the political role that she had to play, and she understood that part of what she had to do was make people feel comfortable with a black woman being the first lady. And if some of that means that you have straight hair, albeit very fly, very funky, very interesting hairstyles that, that hit the range from the flip to the mod to the shag, even within all of that, um, she also knew to send a message to all of us through her girls that your hair is beautiful as it is also. And I think no matter what she did, whether it was her hair, her style, the way that she raised her girls, it was always a message to women, to girls, to, to girls of color, to dark-skinned women, that you are beautiful as you are. And you can slay in whatever capacity that you want because I see you as a whole person. And I'm going to show you that in a variety of different ways. I'm going to show you that when I style my hair, the way I'm raising my daughters, the way that I engage um, with people on a fun level, whether it's, you know, doing karaoke in the car 
or dunking the basketball or growing the garden. She's just going to show you that black women are whole human beings that have a diversity of interests and ways of engaging in the world. And you're just going to have to learn to accept that. And I'm going to do it because it's natural. So maybe her hair wasn't straight, but her way of being was natural. And I think to me that was more important than whether or not she had it straight or if she had it in a throw or a twist out because her very persona was natural. Right. No, thank you, Q, very much for that. Uh, Before we get to you, Trina, I just want to remind people that to uh, dial in, 619-924-0980 to join the conversation. And if you want to actually be on air and make a comment, ask a question, please dial hit one. Uh, Trina. Okay, and I'm going to keep it brief because we actually do have one person. Yes, we do have one person who who um, is waiting to speak. So okay. what was going through my mind, and I'm a natural sister also, um, so I definitely understand the importance and the statement that you make when you choose to go natural, and I understand politically, you know, that that, that is an affirming way of being. Uh, I do... Basically, I'm going to piggyback on the tail end of what Carrie, what Q said, and that is um, <clears throat> that, you know, it's about authenticity. And I really think that she did so much in so many ways to make the first, the post of First Lady her own. It wasn't so much about tea and China settings and things of that nature. It was about making an imprint on our society, and that's exactly what she did. And I do think that while it might have been nice for her to wear a natural hairstyle, I don't think that it was – there were so many other ways that she broke ground and that she moved the the dialogue and our social consciousness about who a first lady is and what she has to contribute to society, that um, the hair, you know – it could have been, but I don't think it was a slight. I don't think it was a slight at all to the black community that she um, did not embrace a natural hairstyle. Okay, so since we have another caller, I'm going to go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And go to the next caller who is from a 703 area code, and the phone number begins with 282, and your mic is on. Now, thank you. Hi, what's your name hi, and where are you calling from? This is, hi, ladies. This is Gina Wood, uh, one of your uh, sisters from Solace. Hey, Gina. Hi, and I've been enjoying the uh, conversation and, too, want to congratulate you on uh, the kickoff of um, the show. Um, I wanted to just comment on um, sort of the current topic because I know you've got some other topics you want to cover. But I guess um, for me, it wasn't so much about sort of the appearance of Michelle Obama as much as I feel like as an individual, she really sort of found her path and her own voice. And I think sort of the cosmetic aspect of it is just what it is. And that I sort of saw her as, I think they say, uh, je ne sais quoi, where, you know, people try to compare her to a Jackie Kennedy in terms of her poise or like an Oprah, you know, because she's very empathetic and those sorts of things. But for me, she is who she is, and she's not one to really compare. She is someone to be compared with, and I think everything that she did was not always intentional. I think she grew into her role, and I think she did that very organically and beautifully. And I think as she ended and the things that she did over the last, you know, 18 months or two years really let us know you know, who she became as a part of the process. I think she evolved into who she is, and so I think I just sort of appreciate so much of that and admire her for that, that she did not get distracted from who she is and what's important to her personally. Um, and I think part of that, which oftentimes is not mentioned, but I really give a lot of kudos and credit to her mother and just what her mother yeah. contributed in terms of both her and the president. Uh, and to her daughters and how this administration is one that people will be talking about continuously for years to come in the recent in recent times. But I just find that it's, you know, really important to think about, for me, not, you know, like all of the things that you all talked about I agree with in terms of what she's exuded, 
but it's like her as a person and as someone who, wow, wouldn't she be a great friend to have, you know, someone to Mm -hmm. sit down and have a conversation with. It's just that's what I see from her is sort of her evolution from looking back in 2009. And I think some of her earlier um, decisions actually were about what a lot of people are saying in terms of think about the great, you know, recession that we were in. Some of those choices that she made in terms of decisions that she made maybe about how she dressed and how she projected her image. So I think Mm -hmm. that she's very smart and very intentional, but also really came into her own. And I just am so proud of that, um, to be able to see it up close um, and and very up close being here in in the the area. So thanks for for allowing me to to share that with you. Thank you so much, Gina. I really, really appreciate all of those thoughts because it is true. It's not just you know, the hair and the makeup and the clothes. It, it is the person. She was is just a down-to-earth person because of the warmth that she just naturally exuded you know, with people in, in coming into the White House or just her presence on stage, uh, her last speech. And uh, I, I do agree. I think that uh, she is a tremendous person, and people will be talking about this administration for many years to come and her mother did play a great part I think in in raising her and in helping her uh, navigate some of the things that she probably had to deal with as a first lady being uh, attacked and her husband being attacked and her kids being attacked and and just coming into her own as you said in in the White House so we want to uh, move on because we want to talk about a couple of other things and I think the next thing I would like you guys to just briefly share is what is your favorite cultural moment in terms of Michelle Obama putting herself out there. I'll briefly mention mine, and uh, I think I have I have several, but Carpool Karaoke, if you haven't <laughs> seen that, just, just Google Carpool Karaoke Michelle Obama. That's all you have to do. Just Google that, and I... Uh, think you will just have a great time. I watch it periodically. I think it's just one of those moments where, wow, she is so much fun. I would love to have been in that car with them. And then the other one was, of course, the dunking in the White House. But the Ellen DeGeneres show that that aired probably a couple months ago where her and Mm -hmm. Ellen DeGeneres go into a CVS, and it is absolutely hilarious. So if you haven't seen that, I would highly uh, recommend that one as well. So, uh, Q, why don't you tell us what your favorite cultural moment, uh, social cultural moment was with with the First Lady? Well, for me, it's actually a moment with Barack Obama, and I can't recall if it was Valentine's Day or if it was her birthday, but they were in one of the many fancy rooms, and there were a group of people around, and someone said, hey, Michelle, girl, you look good, and it was beautiful because Barack mimicked it, and he was like, you know it's Black History Month. When you hear, hey, Michelle, <laughs> hey, girl, and part, of the, right, and part of the reason why, to me, that was so beautiful is because we do talk in code. As black people, we've been talking in code ever since we've arrived in this land. And there's something very beautiful and authentic about the idea that they were comfortable enough to demonstrate all of the different ways in which we could use the word girl to mean so many different things. Mm-hmm. It was more than just a greeting. Just the it was also an, right. It was also like an acknowledgement of the flyness. It was an acknowledgement of the way that black women speak to each other. It was, it's part of the, the, the very humanity, the very humility that they embody in understanding that it's okay to be human. Um, and it's okay to show the world what it's like just to engage with each other as normal people, to not feel like you have to put up artificial barriers in the way in which you communicate with people, even though you're the president and you are the first lady, that they are as much like us as they are not like us because they're way too fly to be like us. Um, <laughs> that To me, that one always sticks with me. I will never forget hey, Michelle, hey, girl, because um, it it made me feel as if I was in the White House at the same time. Um, It was just beautiful. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty special, Trina. Um, so so I will, Angeline. You took like two of my favorites, so I had okay. to, <laughs> I had to dig deeper. <laughs> um, but one of the things, and we talked about this when we were prepping. I um, loved how she really took on um, youth fitness and healthy living. And the two mm-hmm. pe- the two places that I um, saw that I thought were great. I want to say it was Ellen's show again. Was that Ellen's show where she was doing push-ups? Probably. Do you remember? Do you remember her doing push-ups on the talk show? I remember her dancing on Ellen. I don't know that I remember her doing push-ups, but okay. maybe it was Jimmy Fallon. It was maybe it was Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, but I just remember it's like. Um, kind of owning and then her double dutching. I remember her d- double dutching and and doing, you know, being in community co- gardens with with kids. And then she was also on Sesame Street singing mm-hmm. about nutrition. So there are all these different ways that um, she actually really um, brought fun. And I the word that just keeps coming to mind over and over again, everything that Carrie just said about kind of like that being comfortable in her skin, both of them, and understanding that yes, I'm the um, we're the first black first family, but that does not mean that we have to negate our blackness or act like we are not who we are. So that mm-hmm. kind of kept that whole vibe for both of them, just kind of kept present throughout their whole entire being. And when with her being with the kids and really emphasizing physical fitness as well as healthy eating, it was a playful joyfulness that she brought, and that you can only imagine how she was with her two daughters, really as a mom, you know, really encouraging them and actually having fun with them. So it's not like this top down, you know, do as I say, but hey, let's relate together and let's have fun, um, having a good life. You know, yeah, yeah. Do you think they got to eat French fries? Um, well, I know that uh, Barack <laughs> went to Ben's Chili Bowl on a number of times, so. <laughs> and snuck back some fries. <laughs> snuck back some fries in that White House. Girls, I got the fries. Your mom won't let you eat. No, I'm sure that they were able to eat French fries. <laughs> I'm sure that they were able to at least indulge in a couple of things. Because I would have wanted French fries and chocolate ice cream. So that would have been my weakness in the White House. So I, I want to uh, just throw a couple of, of quotes out there to you guys and, and let you just – uh, respond back on your thoughts and it, just just one line maybe in terms of the quote that I'm going to say that's attributed to to the first lady and I think I'll start with there are still many causes worth sacrificing for so much history yet to be made so think about that for a second I'm going to go to Q first I know you can really, really think yeah. off the cuff. <laughs> so there are yeah, still many no, causes no. worth sacrificing for. So much history yet to be made. And there's a couple of quotes, so just, you know, something quick off your head. Oh, no, I, I am so ready for that. Um, so I want to I wanna take us back to the Democratic National Convention this summer, right? And we opened with Michelle, and we ended with Barack, and then, you know, you had that other thing. But um, <laughs> with Michelle, she she gave that speech that was so awesome. It caused Barack to go back and work on his because he was not about to be shaded <laughs> out by his wife. And she told us, you know, what we've said, what we've already quoted so many times over this call, when they go low, you go high. Mm-hmm. And... That's how she started the DNC. He ended it by saying politics is not a spectator sport. To me, both of those speeches were an extension of each other. Both of them were our dictate into what we have to do moving forward. 
when they go low, we go high. It's not about getting in the gutter with insults. It's about understanding that we have to live in a fact-based world. And when they go low, they go to lies. When we go high, we go to the truth. Mm-hmm. And so yep. that coupled with understanding that politics is not a spectator sport. Voting is the least democratic thing that you can do, but it is so essential. But that is not the end of engaging in the democratic process. That is the beginning. So to me, that quote about there is so many causes still to work on behalf of, there's so much still to sacrifice, is just an extension of both their administration and their charge towards moving forward in the future. We have to stick to the truth. We have to stick to facts. We can't get pulled into the gutter. And we have to understand that we have to get local and we have to engage in our community because politics is not a spectator sport. There is so much that we have to do if we want to create the world that we know can exist. We can do this. Um, we oh, yeah, we can definitely do country. it. We can definitely do right. it. Yeah. yeah. So to me, that's just a reminder of, they gave us the platform. They set the floor. Like, if we look at their administration as setting the floor, not the ceiling, then yes, we have work to do. We have a lot right. of work to do. And they told us how to do it. And they told us that they're not leaving us out. They, they got our back. They have they'll, not they'll given be here. up on the struggle. So, yeah, to me, it's just a matter of we have to decide what we need to do. We have to remember that when we mobilize to vote, after we vote, we don't go home. But that's just the beginning. And so, to me, that quote just gives me more courage to say yes. Your bright yellow mm-hmm. dress reminds me that there is hope. Yes, <laughs> I will not go low. And yes, I will engage because democracy is not a spectator sport. There's too much for us to still sacrifice on behalf of. I love No this. doubt. No doubt. Thank you so much, Q. Trina, I'm going to switch questions on you because mm-hmm. uh, that's just what we do here. I uh, <laughs> quote, I wake up in a house built by slaves. Oh, yes. What does that evoke? I mean, I know oh. it evokes a lot, but. Well, I remember, I remember when when that came out. And I just remember thinking about how 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 surreal that must be for her because, you know, those of us, we of all African Americans in this country have grown up under the shadow of slavery and we have all been moving moving the needle further and further and really to have for the first time in history, a black president, and 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 then for him to get reelected, um, I can only imagine how humbling it must have been for that the first lady and for the first family to move into that house and have that realization that that they have actually reached the pinnacle of our society by having the nation decide that this man is the best suited to run our country, not once but twice, but still to have that stain and that um, the um, the pain, uh, understanding that unlike any other house that they had lived in, that this is a house that actually also carries the legacy of pain and of the of the disjointed history that we have by the country being built on the black, on the backs of people who had no choice but to work under um, under oppressive system. That's it. Thank you very much. Yeah, that uh, I I was absolutely not astounded that 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 one line in her speech got so much um i guess black backlash i wasn't surprised by that at all i just thought it was just the first lady has got to the point where she was able to say that and mm-hmm. and mean it and say it proudly you know that this is mm-hmm. let's not forget history as much as you want to try to forget 
the historical aspect of the White House, you did it to yourselves because there were, I remember mm. bumper stickers where, and I have a calendar in, in my office, where there was a, a bumper sticker that said, you know, let's make the White House white again. Mm-hmm. And for people to not understand the history of this country, for to not to want to wipe it away, wash it away, forget about it, she brought that in their face, in all our faces, that, wait a minute, because there are even some people of color that didn't necessarily know that the White House was built by slaves. And so I think she forced that narrative, like, okay, yeah, it was, go Google, because that's what we do now. We don't go to Encyclopedia Britannica or the Dewey Decimal System World to look book. up a book, right? World book, exactly. We Google it, and, and it's there. It, it, you can't erase it. You can't erase it. So I, I really appreciated her her saying that, and uh, it touched my heart, and you hear it, and you, you want to cringe and move away from it, but it is the truth, and the truth sometimes hurts. So... With that, I'm going to ask both of you one more, or I'm going to actually uh, quote one more uh, Flotus quote, and then I'm going to ask you to just quickly respond because we are almost out of time. But before I do that, I want to thank all of you for listening to our premiere show on the Power Network, Revolutionary Sisters of the Diaspora, and we will be on air every third Thursday at 7 p.m. with a different topic, and we hope that you will continue to call in, join us, listen in, call, make commentary on our future topics. So thank you very much for, for listening in, and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash sisters, S-I-S-T-A-S, diaspora. And you can find us also on Twitter at, at sisters, diaspora. And you can email us if you have any questions or comments or suggestions for new topics at sisters, S-I-S-T-A-S, of diaspora at gmail.com. So thank you very much for listening in. So ladies, one more quote. Women in particular need to keep an eye on their physical and mental health because if we're scurrying to and from appointments and errands, we don't have a lot of time to take care of ourselves. We need to do a better job of putting ourselves higher on our own to-do list. So just tell me what you have done lately or what you plan to do to take those words to heart. And I will start with, uh, let's start with Q. Oh, self-care is so important. Um, you know, to paraphrase Sister Audre Lorde, self-care is an act of political warfare. And I think of that quote along that same vein, right, and understanding that particularly as black women where we have to deal with the intersection of so many different identities and so many different kinds of hostilities, we have to recognize the importance of physical and mental health, and we have to make sure that we're not taking care of everyone else to the exclusion and detriment of ourselves. I know that I am often a victim of doing that myself. So some of the things I'm doing, particularly at this time, is I am actually disconnecting and disengaging. I am not watching as much TV. I am not as active on social media because sometimes you have to shut down the noise in order to hear the wind blow. Sometimes you have to be quiet and still in the moment in order to let your spirit stretch. So for me, I, I, I shut down external noise. Um, I also am a firm believer in adult coloring. I find it something to be extraordinarily self-healing and beneficial. It allows my mind to, what I like to say, travel the rim between consciousness and subconscious so that I can think about things. Um, So that's another thing that I do to ensure that I take care of myself is I create time for color. And I make sure that I spend... Okay, I'm good. <laughs> time to color. No, continue. Time to color. You need to you need to expound on that just a little bit. What does that mean? Oh, that means some people don't mean, mean some people don't know what that is. So yeah, 
Okay, so there is a phenomenon of, I guess you could call it that, which is called yes. adult coloring, which are more patterns and shapes than it is kind of like Mickey and Minnie Mouse, although I do have some very political coloring books because I would, especially focused on, you know, feminism and misogyny and patriarchy and racism. But that aside, um, I have many coloring. I have many pencils, a variety of colors, up to 120. And I literally sit at my desk. I may listen to music or I may have some sitcom on this, on my computer, divorced from commercials, don't need that kind of poison in my life, and I will color. I will sit at my desk and I will spend days coloring different patterns and just allowing my mind to be free and empty, um, not constrained by anyone's norms or anyone's ideas, just to be free. I find that to be very self-healing for me. Um, as I deal with a hostile world. When I can't take it, I color or I plan another project. Every time I get upset and it feels toxic, I plan another project to help take care of my community. That's the other way I heal. Thank you very much, Q. And Trina? So, yeah, for me, and you know this is a big one, um, as a a self-confessed superwoman, and this is something that I struggle with as I continue to take on more things. Like this was a whole new project that we decided to do. And it required launching and all those types of things. Um, but for me, one of the things I am recommitting to myself is about my health because that always is the thing that I um, don't pay as much attention to. So what I decided to kick off this year 30 um, program, which is really about being fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, um, lean nuts, and not having sugar, not having processed food as much as possible, uh, no dairy, and no um, white stuff like pasta and bread and rice and all that kind of stuff. And I'm five days into it. It has caused me to actually prioritize thinking about what I'm going to eat and and really enjoying the process, like enjoying preparing healthy meals and food and thinking about um, how to make it flavorful. Fixing a you know a dinner full of stuff and then packing some of it for lunch. And I just feel like I'm loving myself by doing that, by actually being intentional about taking better care of myself than I was in 2016. Thank you very much. And I also am an avid colorer, not as as much as Q, but uh, but (laughs) I do love some coloring books. Can I add one more thing? I know we're about to wrap up, but I wanted to add one more thing. Um, I decided that as part of 2017, that I have to immerse myself in the culture of women of color, and particularly black women, or black people. Um, Because what are we fighting for? If it's not, excuse me, what are we fighting for if it's not to allow ourselves to express ourselves in all of our creativity and all of our different manifestations of genius? So I've made it part of my personal self-care to take time out to participate and engage in a variety of cultural events that celebrates our genius and our creativity, whether it's going to watch Savion Glover or listen to Roxanne Gay or go to watch the Alvin Ailey dancers. So much of our time is spent on doing the work because we know things have value, but we don't take the time to embrace and experience that which is valuable and that which feeds our soul. So that's another part of my self-care, to make sure that I feed my soul with the rich, wide variety of genius and cultural engagement and activity that we produce every day. That's my last piece of self-care. Thank you so much, Q. And again, I just want to... um Remind everyone that we will be here the third Thursday of every of every month, and uh, we will be having another discussion on a 
wonderful topic, unfortunately, for our kids, but we will be talking about it because we know that it's very important that our kids are not pushed out of school. And so we hope you will join us. Uh, please, please follow us on social media. And I'm going to turn it back over to Trina so she can close us out. And uh, my self-care is I'm trying to get a massage this week, and I really am because we live here in the D.C. metro area, and it is stressful right now, y'all. It's Anyone listening from anywhere else in the country, it is definitely stressful. So that is what my goal is. So, Trina, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you all again for listening in, and we will talk to you next time. Awesome, awesome. And this has been just amazing and delightful. I am so glad that we chose to spend our time focusing on the good of our First Lady and wishing her well and for anyone who's listening, the link that you access the show on immediately becomes a recording. So feel free to pass the link on to someone else who you think might be uplifted by these words. And I also want to um, let you know that this is the beginning of a two-day launch for the Power Network. So I'll actually be back on the air tomorrow with my colleagues at the Life Coach Radio Network, our sister network, we have decided to launch this network that it's really about, it's an acronym, peace, one love, wisdom, empowerment, and revolution. And it's really about people of good conscience coming together and speaking on positive things and also the whole range. That's why this show is on this network is because we're really talking about social consciousness, political issues, um, racial consciousness, LGBT issues, and we want to hear from you. So we actually planned a show as counter-programming for the you-know-what that's happening tomorrow. The show is going to be two hours, and it's going to have a, a variety of people speaking, as well as the founder of Life Coach Radio Network, Russ Terry, and several of our other uh, hosts, and we are also looking for people who have something to say and would like to have the opportunity to have a show. You can also have a show on the Power Network as well, but I really would love for you to join us and be a part of our show tomorrow if you are not planning on tuning in to the You Know What, um, and so that we can all focus on some positive things and really kick off this next phase of our life in America, lifting each other up as opposed to being, you know, really upset, which a lot of us are. So anyway, again, thank you, everyone, for taking time out, for listening, for being with us. This has been absolutely amazing, and we so appreciate Michelle Obama, Barack Obama, Sasha Malia for the eight years that they gave to the American people. We are all better off for it, and we just thank you for, for listening, and we look forward to talking to you next month. Good night, Care. Good night, Q. Good night, Ange. Good night, Trina. Good night, John Boy. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Good night. Bye, everybody. Ha, ha, ha.